I was talking the other day about being stuck in a moment. And, and, and I want to start off there. It's easy to get stuck in a moment. Um, you can get stuck in a moment in the past. How? Maybe through some hurt, some unresolved conflict, unforgiveness. Maybe someone did you wrong or offended you or, 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 or there was some atrocity or maybe something that was overlooked, some tragedy or maybe abuse. I don't know what it is, but, but we can get stuck in those moments and the enemy likes to get us stuck in those moments because if he can, if he can enslave us in that moment, he can rob our future. Now you have to remember that Christ said, I have come to what? To give you life and that you might live it in abundance, but the enemy has come that, you, that, that he might steal, kill, and destroy. And so he uses those moments to steal, kill, and destroy. And, and as I was thinking about that, you know, a lot of folks are living in the past because they cannot let go of that moment, yet Christ says, if you give it to me, I will give you freedom. It's also easy to get stuck in a moment in the future through daydreaming. And I've, I, I shared that a few messages ago, but, but the moment that's most important is the one that's here today. The truth is, the Bible tells us no man is guaranteed tomorrow. I'm not guaranteed five seconds from now. And I was listening to Dr. Tony Evans' message. What a moving message. It was at his wife's home going. After a lifetime of ministering together, he said they were just about to start, start, start scaling back and enjoying a quasi-retirement, and she was diagnosed with cancer, and months later, she was gone. He said it coincided with his, with his greatest achievement, or his, his proudest moment was, uh, uh, was also part of his greatest loss. This year, he released his study Bible in which he commentated the entire uh, Bible, and he released it as a proud moment in his career, and yet his wife passed away. And so he, he, he made me think as he was asking, how old are you? How long do you have to live? The truth is none of us know when we'll be called home. Not a one of us. And so it's easy to look around the room and say, well, I'm young and they're old or they're young and I'm old and, and to make judgments. And usually if you cross the 30 mark, uh, you start feeling like, man, I'm getting older. You know, if you've crossed the 60 mark, you might consider yourself uh, uh, up in age. And those that are under the 30 mark consider themselves young. You might say, I consider myself young, but this is the point. None of us know when we're gonna be called home. So let's say a 20-year-old is sitting here today, but he'll be called home next week, two years from now. And a 50-year-old is sitting here, and the Lord has another 40 years in store for them. Who's young and old then? The truth is we never know what tomorrow holds. All we know is who holds tomorrow, and that's God. And so... It's important to maximize the moments we have today. Don't get stuck in the past and don't get caught up waiting for tomorrow. Today is all you have. Live it for all it's worth. And you know, I've been, 
I've been really struggling with this because the more, the more I think about it, the more God reveals to me. Through Dr. Evans' message and many other messages, I keep hearing the same thing. And, and I, was, I was thinking about my brother Aaron who years ago, he and I had a disagreement and I can't even tell you what it was about again. All I know is it created a rift between us. And I started really analyzing my heart and asking myself, if I only had a week to live, what would I do? I tell you what, I would, I'd want to see my brother. Maybe you're here today and you need to get a different perspective. If you only had a week to live, what would you say I should have let go of long ago? What would you say I should have done more of this and less of that? I guarantee you no one's going to say I should have worked harder and killed myself at my job. And so I'm, I'm asking you to think with me about how precious life is and the greatest gift that God has given us besides Jesus Christ as our Savior is time. Time. The ability to enjoy what he calls life to enjoy it in the fullest manner possible. And so I thank you, for, uh, church family, for this house. And, you know, it makes, it makes us extremely, extremely grateful because time is so important to me with my children. I can't get that back. I can't get that back. And I know why vacations matter so much to me. Because when I was a kid, my parents went through the struggle of ministry and ended up in divorce. Nothing tragic, nothing uh, where, where they were unfaithful to each other, just the stresses of ministry drove them apart. And I can remember the happiest moments there at the end were at vacation time. And I said, I, I don't want it to just be vacation time. I want it to be all the time for my family. And I want to guard my family. And I want to maximize those times. But I want vacation times to be very, very important. And I can, I can remember just sitting there sometimes. But then my wife tells me, you got to go beyond just a week a year, two weeks a year, four weeks a year. You got to go every single day, Chris. You got to go all in every single day. So now I look at my family and I just kind of soak in the moment. And I'm like, man, Lord, to live in this moment. And God says, you haven't seen anything yet, Chris. Because when you consider that I am that I am, I don't live in the past and I don't live in the future. It just is with me. And when you come to heaven, it will be that perfect moment that you never have to worry about expiring. So, so love the moment, love the life I've given you, but keep it in perspective. Don't hold too tightly because I've got something greater for you. And that's why you serve me. And that's why you do what you do and you preach what you preach so that people will know that I have something greater. Yes, enjoy the moment, soak it in. Life is a blessing, but that's nothing compared to what I have for you. Nothing compared to what I have for you. So don't get distracted and don't let this, this, uh, this world get it twisted in your mind. 
it's all about God. Soak it in, let him give you that fullness of life, but there's so much more to come. And that's what we wanna talk about here today. I wanna talk about the value of time and the life that God has given us. Because if we're not careful, we can fall into a rut. And a rut happens quickly and days go by. I'm always, I'm always reminded when I preach a message like this of a song. I don't know if you've ever heard this song, but it, it gives you a valuable life lesson. Oh, many of you already know exactly. If you're not familiar with it, listen to the words. My child arrived just the other day. He came to the world in the usual way, but there were planes to catch and bills to pay. He learned to walk while I was away, and he was talking for I knew it. And as he grew, he'd say, I'm gonna be like you, Dad. You know I'm gonna be like you. And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon, little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. My son turned ten just the other day. He said, "Thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on." I said, not today, I got a lot to do He said, that's okay And he walked away, but his smile never did And said, I'm gonna be like him Yeah, you know I'm gonna be like him And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon the Little boy blue with the man on the moon When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when We'll get together then You know we'll have a good time then all right, listen to this verse. Well, he came from college just the other day. So much like a man, I just had to say, son, I'm proud of you. Didn't you sit for a while? He shook his head and he said with a smile, what I'd really like, Dad, is the power of the car keys. See you later, can I have them, please? And the cats in the and the silver spoon Little boy blue and the man on the moon When you're coming home, son, I don't know when But we'll get together then Last verse I've long since retired and my son's moved away I called him up just the other day I said I'd like to see you, son, if you don't mind He said I'd love to, Dad, if I could find the time you see, my new, my new job's a hassle, and the kids have the flu. But it's sure nice talking to you, Dad. It's been sure nice talking to you. And as I hung up the phone, it occurred to me, he'd grown up just like me. My boy was just like me. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, the little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you're coming home, son, I don't know when. Mm. See, God gave me one of those moments last night. I had the privilege of going to this beautiful family celebration where 
Miss Olivia celebrated a birthday with all of her family and her children and her grandchildren, and maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. And, and if you're going to celebrate in a Mexican family, you're going to have to have mariachis. And so the mariachis came out and they were singing and I was singing with them. And as I saw her and her children and her sons dancing and singing, it reminded me of my mom. And then my, my, mm. many people ask me, how's your mom? I said, she's doing good. But the fact is she's not doing so good. And I see her less than once a year, and I'm always busy, and son, when are you going to come up? I don't know when, mom, but I love you. And as she's singing with her children, I'm thinking, man, I miss my mom, and I'm, something echoes in my mind, and I almost lost it right there. At y'all's celebration, I almost lost it because I thought of my brother's words. said, Chris, if you're going to see mom, you better hustle up and do it because we don't know how long she has. This disease is taking its effect quick. And so I'd like to think that I can, that, that it's all about tomorrow. I take comfort. Lord, someday I'll see her up there. But the truth is he's given me here too. And sometimes it's because I don't prioritize right that I miss today and I constantly push it off to tomorrow, even if it's in heaven. But how many of you know that's not the fullness of life God came to give us? And you can be a pastor and still be stuck in the wrong moment. And so you might be here today, Pastor, I thought you came, I came to, you might make me laugh, but sometimes when, when I pull at your heartstrings, it'll have a deeper effect than when you laugh. And so this message is meant to be profound. This message is meant to shake you as God has been shaking me and saying, hey, life is precious. What are you doing with it? You don't know how long you have. Quit putting it off. Seize the moment. Make good of it. Love like there's no tomorrow. And set your priorities wisely. Paul puts it this way, for the days are evil. And time is not on your size. He says, maximize your time. So this is what I want to share with you today. In order to maximize our time, we have to get good at prioritizing. Prioritizing is deciding what's most important. What's most important to you? I think I, oftentimes I fall into to what the world says I should be doing instead of doing what I know in my heart I should be doing. Does that make sense? And so we need to prioritize our priorities. Prioritize your priorities. What do I mean by that? I mean that sometimes we fail to realize the true significance of the things at hand. What I mean by that is that if you're anything like me, I can have easily, if I make a to-do list every morning, it can, at least, it can, it can eclipse 30 to-dos easily. Am I the only one? I mean, it can go, but out of all of those to-dos, are they all absolutely important and essential? No. It kind of reminds me of 1912, uh, a story I heard about the Titanic. There was a lady who had already secured a, uh, a safe spot on a lifeboat. Remember, they were letting the ladies get on first, and then she had a safe spot, and she asked if she could please be allowed to run back to her room 
She wanted to get something. They said, you have three minutes. The ship was going down. They didn't know how long they had, so she ran back to her room. She gives, she gives the account that on her way back to her room, she stepped over valuables. She stepped over jewelry. She stepped over all sorts of very valuable items, not caring a bit about them, only to grab three, three oranges. But if you had asked her earlier that day, before the tragedy took place, before, before she saw the end of her life within grasping distance, she wouldn't have given you more than, what, 10 cents for those three oranges. And now she was given up jewelry. She left everything valuable in her room for three oranges because, because sometimes when you see the end, you begin to really, really, really prioritize what's most important if you, were, if you were only given this year to live, this, this 2020, what would you do that was most important? And don't make me play for you, Tim McGraws. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, would you, would you ride a bull called Fu Manchu? I mean, what, what would you do? Would you go do skydiving? Would you, or would you spend time with the people you love the most? Would you mend some fences? Would you say I'm sorry to some folks? Would you... Would you forgive, extend forgiveness that you've been denying? I don't know what it is, but we have to prioritize our priorities. And the truth is, too many priorities paralyze us. So when you put everything on the list, you won't be very effective at anything. We've got to decide what's most important. The truth is, a lion tamer will take a stool and he will use it to paralyze that lion because the lion focuses on four different points and he doesn't know exactly which one to focus on. Do you know the enemy does the same thing to us? If he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And he'll come at you with all of these things and all of these worries and all of these responsibilities, not knowing that we, not knowing that if we make them line up, then we can whip any problem. But we have to get good at determining what's most important. What must you do? Because time is so valuable it's so valuable, we must learn to work smarter, not harder. I want you to evaluate your year and determine how can you get better from last year at doing some things. Some things maybe you shouldn't be doing. Some things that you can organize in a better way so that you can do it more effectively, more efficiently. What things can you delegate? You know, I, I laugh because my wife has been saying for quite some time that she needs a housekeeper, and some of you ladies have been encouraging that, that awful notion. Um, that she needs a housekeeper. We don't need a housekeeper. We just need to be smarter. And so when you have three kids, you have a housekeeper. I'm just, I'm, this is old school Mexican right here in me. When you have three kids, you have a housekeeper. So I decided we're getting up 20 minutes early. We're implementing uh, uh, martial law again. And... Uh, I say again, because we did this a few years back when she started with the notion that we need a housekeeper. I said, 20 minutes early, five of us uh, dedicated to chores. How much is that in a day? 20 times five is what? One, four, 140, or how much? An hour and 40 minutes. An hour and 40 minutes. So that's 100, 100 minutes. Now you multiply that times five days a week. What is that? 
a housekeeper. That's what that is. So I'm telling you, how can you work smarter? How can you, you see what I'm getting at, guys? Some of my guys are going, yeah, I like that. I thought you would. Uh, make better choices. What do we mean by better choices? Some of us need to make better choices to maximize this beautiful life that God has given us in health. You know, we make very poor choices and we cut our life short every single day by what we put in our mouth. By not taking the time to exercise and making a good choice to take care of our bodies. Not taking the time to have that margin to decompress, to unwind, to let stress roll off. How about you can't have it all? The truth is, we've got to make decisions as to what's most important. If you try to have it all, I did this once where I had a gentleman hold a bunch of different balls and he was holding about four or five of them like this. And I said, now I'm going to throw one more to you. And as I, I said, you have to catch it. As I threw it to him, he, he couldn't catch it. So he let go of the others and he caught the one. And I said, sometimes you've got to make a decision. Now, what if that one was God's blessing? Mm. But some of you are saying, no, no, no. I would have held on to the four or five instead of the one, but you'd have missed God's blessing. See, the truth of the matter is we can't do it all. Two, good is the enemy of great. We have to be willing to say many good no's for a great yes. What do I mean by that? Some of us say yes to everything. And when you say yes to everything and you want to help everyone and, and, and you want everyone to be able to count on you, the things that matter most are the ones that are going to suffer. Notice I said the things that matter most are the ones that are going to suffer. The people who matter most are the ones that are going to suffer. The truth is you've got to be willing to say no so that you can be, say a great yes. You cannot be everything to all people. And as you prioritize through this list and you start realizing, why am I saying yes to everything? It might reveal something about you that that's where you divide, uh, um, that's where you get your self-worth from. Maybe you want people to value you. Maybe that's where you feel your value comes from, of constantly serving other people. But what has God called you to do? Who has God called you to serve? What is his priority and do you have enough time to really unwind? Then great is also the enemy of good. Wait a minute, you just said the opposite. I thought if I put too many good things on my plate, then I won't have enough room for the great things that God has for me. But you can also paralyze yourself by thinking, if I'm not great, then what's the point? Let me put it to you this way. I like playing the game of basketball. I've always liked playing the game of basketball. But if I... If I look and I'm really honest with myself, I'm not going to be Michael Jordan, nor was I ever going to be Michael Jordan. I don't care how much positive thinking I put into it. I wasn't going to be Michael Jordan. I could beat Jamie, but beat Michael? Come on. That's a different story. <laughs> I love you, Jamie. You were smiling too big when you said, when I said uh, I could never beat Michael, be Michael Jordan. You're like, yep. And I said, okay, well, I got something for you, buddy. Um... <laughs> I can't beat him, but it's, it's wishful thinking. But this is my point. This is my point. My point is, if I can't be Michael Jordan, then I don't play? 
Let me bring it to you in your context. If you can't be Apple, you're not going to run a business at all. If I can't be uh, uh, Robert Morris or Joel Osteen, then I quit preaching. If I can't be that great father that I see uh, over there or in my mind, then I just stop trying. No, be the best you're called to be. Even if it's good compared to somebody's greatness, be the best you're called to be. What's for him is for him, what's for me is for me. As for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? So don't let the great keep you from being good. Now watch this, number three, get ahead of the game. What does it mean to be ahead of the game? Do you know where that, where that statement comes from? Anyone? It, it, it's from the, ninth, from the 19, or, or excuse me, from the 1700s, and it's a gambling statement. If you're ahead of the game, what are you doing? You're winning. You're playing with house money. I've never gambled. I, I'm, I'm serious. I do not gamble. I don't, I don't believe in that. I, I believe the, the Lord talks against it. But in terms of our terminology, let's understand what we're saying when we say if you're ahead of the game, that means you're winning. The game of life, you can be ahead or you can be behind. If you want a great year, you've got to learn to get ahead. How do you learn to get ahead? You learn to be proactive versus reactive. Let's go over this quick little, little uh, um, chart here. Initiator or a reactor versus uh, uh, an initiator is a being someone who's proactive versus someone who's reactive. Watch this. Prepare, plan ahead, or you can repair. Pick up the phone and make the contact, or you can sit around and wait for the phone to ring. But how does this apply? This is a business thing. How does this apply to my spiritual life? Well, let me put it to you this way. You can wait and go, why don't I ever get blessed? God, why does it, why? look at Christy and Rick, look at Pastor, they got, look at Jamie and Marla, look at, look at the Carnahan family, they're so stinking blessed. What about me? Do you wait for the phone to ring? You're sitting way around waiting for God to call you? Why don't you pick up the phone and call him? Why don't you get up every morning and say, Lord, I'm going to pound on the gates of heaven. I'm not going to stop pounding. What's for me is for me. Lord, release my blessing. God, I need a blessing. I won't let you go until you bless me, said Jacob. Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. And God said, I'm going to bless you so much, I'm changing your name to Israel. And everywhere you go, you will be blessed going and coming, and you will be showered with blessings. But you've got to be willing to walk with a limp instead of a strut. See, that blessing came with a limp. Some of you are going, no, I don't, I don't need blessing that much. Then you're waiting. That, that's a whole nother message. One anticipates problems, gets ahead of them instead of what? Reacting to them. Seize the moment versus waiting for the right moment. Put their priorities in their calendar. The reactor puts other people's requests in their calendar. Too many yeses, yes, 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 yes. Instead of what, what are you supposed to be doing? Watch this, invest time in people, spends time with people. This is a big one for me. I gotta be more intentional this year about investing instead of just spending. Amen? So this is where we're going. You gotta ask these questions. What is required of me? These are the questions that John Maxwell asks in his book, Developing the Leader Within You. 
What is required of me? What gives me the greatest return? What is the most rewarding? He asks that from a business standpoint. It's two slides down. What is required of me? What gives me the greatest return? What is most rewarding? Those are, that'll preach. Think about it from a Christian standpoint, not just a business standpoint. What is required of me? Okay, your boss sets your requirement. How about your God? How about Jesus said about the rich fool, said, do you not realize that tonight your life is required of you in heaven? You will give an account for all that I gave you. How about this? What is most rewarding? Jesus said, bank in heaven where your investment lasts for eternity. That's rewarding. Amen. How about number, number three? What is the most, uh, okay, what is the greatest return? Same thing. When you're back in, in heaven, you're going to get a true return. Moth, rust, thieves cannot take it from you. And so if you think about it, if you want a great year, the best way you can do it is to get God involved. And how many of you know that God gave you the time? He knows how to direct it. Watch how important time was to God and the right time for everything. Isn't it he that said there is a time for everything under the sun? A time to reap and a time to plant a time to build and a time to tear down. Watch how important timing is in just a few verses related to Jesus's life. John chapter seven, verse 30, the Bible says, therefore they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him because his, because what? His hour had not yet come. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple and no one laid hands on him for his hour had not yet come. Watch this. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, now his hour has come. There is perfect timing with God. You want a great year? Get him involved. Say, Lord, what is your timing? You say, but, but how do I do that? Watch. The Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ will guide you if you allow him to. Listen to these verses out of the book of Acts. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them. The Holy Spirit will say, not here, go here, not over there. I want to put you in the perfect place. Some of you are going to be deciding where to go to school for the next four years. Have you even asked the God and the King of glory to direct you? Some of us want to know what to do with our business or where to go in our career. Watch what the Bible says here. Verse 7, then coming to the borders of Mycenae, they headed north to the providence of Bithynia, but again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Now, this is a gentle prompting. They could have been disobedient if they wanted to. You say, but pastor, I don't want to be disobedient. I just don't hear it at all. That's a whole nother sermon, <laughs> right? If we're not hearing it all, maybe it's because we have not because we ask not. 
Are you asking? Are you imploring God every morning? Lord, my life belongs to you. God, lead me. Guide me. Let your spirit be known to me. God, begin to move any way you see fit. I know that you're working and we're operating in the last days. In the last days, it says that you will give visions and dreams. So Lord, give me a vision. Give me a dream. Watch this. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia, north of Greece, was standing there, pleading them, what? Come over to Macedonia. Watch the last line there. God was calling us to preach the good news there. So the Holy Spirit called him. He will call you too. Now, I want to introduce a passage that we will finish next week, but I want to really close the message with this. What's required of you? How do you prioritize? How do you make the most? Since time is so valuable, watch Jesus and the way he lived. Do you, do you realize that Jesus had the responsibility to launch a movement that would change the course of human history? I want you to think, if you had to launch a movement that would change the course of human history, how would you do it? I guarantee you what I wouldn't have done is called fishermen. I'm just being honest. I wouldn't have spent time with some of the people he spent time with. I would have tried to get real professional and read all the, all the management books I could. I tried to go to what? To Harvard or Princeton or somewhere great to show me how to lead an organization that could change the course of human history. You know what Jesus did? He said, I'm just going to wait on the Father and whatever he says I must do. I must do it. So in chapter four of John, this is what he says, and he must, this is what he said, I must needs go through Samaria. And his disciples are like, well, wait a minute, what are you talking about? How, nobody needs must do anything in Samaria. He said, I must go through Samaria. You know how many times this, this, this I need to do this comes up in Jesus's life? watching the book of Luke. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also. Watch this. Zacchaeus, make haste, come down from there for today. I must stay in your home. How do you know who to spend time with? Holy Spirit needs to lead us. How do you know how to prioritize your day? You need the Holy Spirit to tell you, you must do this. Watch this. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Hallelujah. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. And the other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again on the third day. He must. Let me ask you this. What must you do today? What must you do this year? That's what I'm asking you to consider. If you want to have a great year, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's God's purpose that prevails. I, 
I think you must get God involved. That's it right there. I must get God involved in my business. I must get God involved in my marriage. I must, as the worship team comes up and our prayer partners come up, I just want you to ask, Holy Spirit, what must I do this year? For some of you, you must invest in your children. You must. For some of you, you must invest in your marriage. For some of us, that's me. I must honor my parents and I have to make them a big part of my life this coming year. I cannot go another year without seeing my parents the way I've been. I must. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has been telling me that and if I ignore him, there will be a consequence. Even if it's the sadness that comes from ignoring him once they're gone. I don't know what it is for you, but, but maybe you're here today and you must, you must meet Jesus Christ, really meet him for the first time that you might experience heaven someday. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you and you must, you're, I mean, there's a compulsion in you. you. Like, I have to know Jesus as my savior. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. Amen, amen. I see hands going up. Maybe you're here today and you know Jesus as your savior, but there's some change that you must make. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. With the way you use your time, with the way you've organized your life, there is something you must do and that's the Holy Spirit telling you, I want you to do this. Raise your hand. Now this is what I want you to do. There are hands raised all over this auditorium. I'm gonna pray a simple prayer, but I want you to come up, even as I'm praying, and begin to pray with one of these people. Say, I must know Jesus. Let's pray to know Jesus. I must do this. I wanna pray with you. Father, as I'm praying, I'm just gonna ask that you would give courage to those that come up right now and seal this must with a prayer. Come on up, Father. I pray you give them courage. I pray, God, that Salvation would come to those that must have it, God. I pray to, for others that must make a change in the way their life is ordered, in the way they do their transactions, in the way that they have prioritized things, that that, that would change at the deepest core, even as Jesus said, I must do what my Father has called me to do. Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you had your hand raised, I'm going to ask you to come up. Come on, don't let anything stop you. Come up. Everyone else, let's begin to sing. Come on up, church. Come on up, church. Come on up. Come and pray with somebody. We want to see everyone full praying with someone. I love you, Foundation. Foundation.